0: A group called Super Happy Fun America says it advocates on behalf of the straight community. It released a proposed parade route that mirrors the path of this weekend's LGBTQ pride parade.
2: Hell yeah! Finally! Someone's standing up for straight people! Woo!
0: Yeah! I fully support this movement. If straight men want to grill steaks while wearing cargo shorts talking about how much they love watching Scarface, no one should try to stop them. And yeah, no one's trying to stop them, but that's not the point. The point is, straight people deserve a parade, because they've been oppressed for too long. You guys realize that straight marriage has only been legal for like 4,000 years? Huh?
2: Huh?
1: So, what was the name of the group, though? That's the best part. <laughs> I know! A group the called big...
0: Super Happy
2: Fun America. That is,
0: That's the punchline. Super <laughs> Happy Fun America. <laughs> it sounds like some translation of a Japanese game show title, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, how do you not the super that? happy fun time.
3: It's just a point of order, there's no such thing as a straight parade, so I don't I don't even know what any of this is about. <laughs> I don't want a parade. I want a little, you know, straight action if you know what I'm talking about.
1: So I'm gonna
0: read this story as written for I'm the... just looking for a little love or, or second Led up quote of the day. A whole lot of love. Mm. Ba down ba down boun. I'm going to read
1: this story as written because the Seattle Times staff reporter Erica, Eric Lassitus did such a good job. Why would I rephrase it? Why indeed. The term newly released FBI files always has a nice mysterious ring to it. Expand it to newly released FBI Bigfoot files whoa, whoa. and now we really have something. Oh Oh boy. <laughs>
3: Newly
0: released Wait a FBI minute. Bigfoot Seriously, files. I'm, I got electric current running through me right now. I am so excited to hear this. Oh, yeah. When
1: I tell my kids when I get home, the FBI has released some new Bigfoot files. They'll be excited. Are you kidding? They'll levitate off the couch. Tell us, tell us. On Wednesday, the FBI posted some new documents to its website, FBI Records. The vault. Including some of the, uh, that's the name of their website where they keep their FBI records in the vault. Including some of the legendary Bigfoot.
0: (laughs) Yes, the FBI actually had a file on Bigfoot. Hey, yeah, beautiful hair. Oh, man, my son just wrote, and I think he, did he put it out? Uh, A song called, I got to explain it. There There was a conversation between a couple of his roommates. And... There may have been relaxants involved, what? but they were discussing Sasquatch and the hunt for Sasquatch, and the fact that we ought to have a Sasquanctuary, <laughs> a sanctuary for Sasquatches, mm. a Sasquanctuary. and you know uh, he could go and not <laughs> <was thinking> be familiar
3: <laughs> with their relaxants.
0: And my son Declan was so. Uh, uh, taken by that phrase, he spent the next 36 hours writing, recording, and producing a song called "Saskatchewan," which is not easy to say. <laughs> apparently. No, no, much less to sing. And I'm not is, even going to try to say it. It is uh, uh, the, there's a riff as heavy as the Sasquatch itself, and the lyrics are hilarious. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, one more quick note: as long as I've distracted you completely, I have friends and 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 sources. Within the FBI, former FBI, who've been advisors to the show, you bastards didn't tell me about the Sasquatch files? We're not friends anymore. (laughs) Don't call me. Lose my number.
1: On Wednesday, the FBI posted some new documents about the legendary Bigfoot, because they had a file. The FBI site has some 6,700 documents from periods like the gangster area, Public corruption, all pretty interesting stuff, but not as interesting as Bigfoot, obviously. The Bigfoot files added Wednesday concern a 1976 request by a Peter C. Byrne, a self-styled adventurer who at the time ran the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition in Oregon. Ask about the release of the documents, the FBI's press office in Washington said in an email, we have no comment. Oh, so they're still staying quiet on this.
2: I said, listen, he's walking on two feet. That ain't no bird.
0: <laughs> Michael if you can find and play every single tape from that guy who claims to have spotted Bigfoot that ain't no bird well I think the thing was he heard a weird noise outside and, and he thought it Bigfoot was a bird. a bird well
4: it makes funny noises and he would make a whistle
0: <sighs> and
4: run at the
2: end of it.
0: I'd run at what? the end of it, too. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> and uh, what uh, What else? <laughs> He'd make a whistle.
4: His forehead was just like mine and yours.
0: Damn.
4: Well, Square. Similar forehead. Square, I'm guessing. Go on.
0: <laughs>
1: Is
4: there more? Hey, yeah, beautiful hair. That's all I got for right now. I'll find yeah, remember for some more How stuff. many
0: times have we played that clip through the years? So <laughs> that's
2: no bird. And so I
0: rough-talked him.
2: I said, get, get.
0: So to get back to the actual FBI
1: file, um, they have some hair that they keep in the file. Was it beautiful? That somebody caught and claimed that that might be from Bigfoot. the FBI lab examined them by transmitted and incident light microscopy. That's the way I would examine them. Sure. That included root structure, medullary structure, and cuticle thickness, in yes. addition to scale casts.
0: Yes, that's uh, the standard procedure.
1: Plus, they were compared with hair of known origin. It was concluded as a result of those examinations that the hairs are ver- are of a
0: deer.
2: <laughs> that's because they wear deer skin to throw you off, you idiot.
0: So there you go. He had beautiful hair.
1: I don't. I don't have any idea. Um, in all seriousness, if if be if. The FBI opening a file on anything means anything at all. I mean, does that just be, somebody claims they something somebody don't know what it is. And you open a file, look into it for like an afternoon. Right. That's nah, a bunch of crap. And well, they, they the tested file. the deer hair. That's true. They did, taste, they did test the hair. Although it was a big enough deal to test the hair. And then you think, like, I don't know, you're a weirdo.
0: You deal with a lot of serious and grim stuff if you're an FBI agent. I wonder if you think, you know, it'd be fun. I'm going to call the guys at the lab. Hey, you guys up for testing some hair that a guy claims is Bigfoot? They probably cracked up and said, "Yes, yeah, send it over. Everybody needs something to lighten their work day. You mm-hmm.
1: know? Uh, among things we're going to do this hour, toward the end of the hour, we're going to play the whole song that is now number one on the Amazon charts by a, by a D-Day veteran on the 75th anniversary. Yeah, he was 15 on D-Day, and he got a song out about that experience, and it's the number one song on Amazon. It's we're beautiful, gonna, too. We're going to play the whole thing later this hour on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: The Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. New poll, fresh off the presses. Uh, You go. I don't know how good they are.
4: They're pretty good.
1: Are they? Yep. Uh, Fresh off the presses, Biden 27, Sanders 15. That's not a huge deal. Is that a national poll? Biden's down a little. Yeah. Um This is all just about name recognition. It's just showing you who's getting some name recognition. So Biden's down. Bernie's, he's roughly a 15, 16% guy Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, The big news is Warren into double digits at 12, Buttigieg into double digits at 10. Mm. So, and then Kamala Harris right behind him at nine, and it's within the margin of error. So you really got to say there's one, two, three, four, five. And everybody else, because it drops way off to two to zero, which is all within the margin of error of nothing. Right. <laughs> I mean, is just Booker down there
3: nothing. in the, the two range.
0: Yeah. yeah he failed to catch fire at all.
1: So you're, you're kind of you kind of got the big five there, which sounds about right to me. Did Biden, anybody, Sanders,
0: Warren, Buttigieg, Harris. Did anybody pick that waste of skin, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, in our pool, our campaign death pool? I, I don't think so.
4: I thought I did just because you? I find her yeah, to be yeah, the yeah. phoniest have her, Oh that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. is
0: the phoniest person out there. Oh she it's terrible. Terrible. Um so okay. All right. All right. Transition music, Michael? Do you mind? We haven't done that lately. That's a little politics for you, it's the way things stand. Of course it's like the preseason college polls at this point. It's gonna be on next month with the debate.
2: <laughs> So
1: the idea of this music is to clear your mind, clear your palate for something else.
0: Whatever whatever that sound is. That ain't no bird. (laughs) And the video makes the music seem serious. Maybe we can link that. Well, we'll have to dig around and find it. All right, turn it off. Turn it off! So, the story of D-Day, which we've uh, uh, talked about a fair amount today. We've had some terrific interviews and, and fun facts and inspiring quotes and... All sorts of good stuff. If you've missed the show thus far, you can get the podcast, wherever podcasts are given away for free because we're stupid. Um, But the story of weather and meteorology and the invasion, I think, is underappreciated. There was a team of six meteorologists. Two each from the UK Met Office, whatever that is, uh, the Royal Navy, and the US military. And the six of them were working for months on how to forecast weather. I mean, it's just another example where, for, you know, because probably because it's a matter of survival, many leaps forward in human technology have been around killing each other or avoiding being killed um, in warfare. But a lot of their forecasting techniques have stood the test of time. It was a real leap forward. But they were trying to figure out when to invade Normandy because they had to have the right moon. And there was a little flexibility, but they had to have enough moonlight to see the shore. Um, they had to have a, a very low tide um, to land as far away from the cliffs as they needed to um, for reasons that are semi-obvious. Um and And they needed seas that small craft could navigate <clears throat> and so you know there were windows, little windows here, then two weeks from now, there's uh two days in a row and then and and so Eisenhower was pretty constrained in when he was going to say, "Let's do it <clears throat> and so based on their own forecasts, the two u s meteorologists believed the attack should take place on June 5th. The Brits disagreed. They said the 5th is going to be bad, the 6th will be better. And the Americans were so adamant that they phoned um, the Brits to argue with them and tried to get them to change their forecasts. Um, But the the Brits refused to relent, forced Eisenhower to postpone the landings for 24 hours, which has got to be a nerve-wracking thing, Mm. because... You're trying to keep everything secret, for one thing, and, you know, your movement's secret and the rest of it as you move a major city, thousands of vehicles, thousands of planes, thousands of craft, of boats, uh, overnight. So, anyway, um, as it turns out, the Brits were right as there were rough seas and 25 to 30 mile per hour winds on the English Channel on the 5th. So that would have been very bad. Uh, the weather was terrible that morning, as they report, and the whole future of the Western world could have been different. Um, but so they they changed to the sixth. Well, you hate to have the future of the world
1: <laughs> hang on a meteorologist. I'll tell oh, you oh, that.
0: Oh, I know it. What could be worse? Psychics, chiropractors. Anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Wow. <laughs> um. So they said, yeah, I think it's uh, you can. Uh, it's a go uh, on the sixth. Um. But if not, the 19th looks good with the tide. and The 19th? Yeah, almost two weeks later. Oh, you can't do that. But so I decided, okay, the 6th looks good. Not great, but good. And the seas were pretty rough because um, these are not big craft. If you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, you know what we're talking about. Um, uh, but anyway, it went pretty well. Turns out the 19th was, I kid you not, my friends, the biggest storm of the 20th century, because meteorologists are liars, and and if indeed they had tried on the 19th, um, it, it could it would have well been a disaster. It would have been a disaster, a disaster for history, or, or you know, Ike, you know, on, honestly, a day or two before the 19th, when the weather had changed that much, they probably would have figured that out and said, "No, we can't go now either." And what Ike would have done, I do not know. Um. But there's only so long you can delay a, an operation that massive.
1: Right. So that was some luck on our side. I was asking our uh, military historian, Mike Lyons, about that earlier, how much luck played a role. Because luck always plays a role in these sorts of things. You know, there's a I don't remember which major Civil War battle that uh, somebody's cruising along, and they see a, I think it was a cigar on the ground. Mm-hmm. They pick it up, and it's wrapped in some paper. Paper turns out to be battle plans, one of your major battles. They... The uh, the the good guys, in this case, saw the battle plans and were able to win that battle. Great who, who knows how things turn out if you don't find those battle plans that um, fell out of somebody's pocket. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that could have happened on D-Day, turned things the other direction.
0: Yeah. Back in 1944, meteorologists didn't know much about the upper atmosphere. They didn't know that jet streams existed. So it was... Uh,
1: they don't know much more today.
0: Well, <sighs> I have let one... Let I have go. a jihad, and it's against oh, meteorologists. Oh, boy. It's my life's work. Oh, boy. Um, So uh, imagine, though, these six guys with uh, meteorology in uh, a primitive stage compared to now when it's incredibly accurate day after day, Um, with hundreds of thousands of lives at stake. Ike asking them, what's the weather going to be Tuesday? And them... Having hundreds of thousands of lives at stake. Can you sure, imagine and if the you pressure? got that
1: wrong, you'd feel awful the rest of your life. Your name would be known
0: for the rest of your life for all the wrong reasons, because they were pretty much right about the sixth. We don't know their names.
1: So Ike famously wrote a letter uh, to explain uh, his uh, his situation if it didn't go right. Because he yeah. thought it was that likely that it didn't go well.
0: Indeed. And uh, the key line from that, if any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. That's a man. M-A-N. I, I would love to know what he thought
1: the chances for success were. <sighs> right. It right. seems that it went better than anybody could have hoped, even with all the problems
0: that it did occur. And all the deaths and injuries. Yeah. And Yes, it did, actually. It did. It was miraculously effective. I, I think if you would have asked him, he probably would have said, I think our chances are good, but we have to. You know? Well, yeah, you wouldn't have not done yeah. it. But My other favorite quote that I shared earlier this morning that I love, Colonel Charles D. Canham, 116th Infantry Regiment on Omaha Beach, told his men, They're murdering us here. Let's move inland and get murdered. I mean, that's if that doesn't sum it up, Mm. fellas, hell yeah, this is hell. Well, we got a mission to move inland, so let's go get killed there.
1: The number one song on Amazon right now is a song called Shores of Normandy, sung by a guy who was 15 years old on a boat on D Day, the youngest known D Day veteran. And that song is hot right now, and we're going to play the whole thing for you coming up in a little bit. But right now, we want to tell you what Marshall's got in his news on the way.
4: Well, we got world leaders remembering, as you've been talking about, the sacrifice and valor displayed on D-Day. Vladimir Putin on Russia's designs on Venezuela. And Netflix getting a lot of buzz over a new children's programming plan. Coming up.
1: Okay, I want to hear about that, because they've sucked for kids programming for uh, for a, quite a while now on Netflix. We, in fact, my wife and I talked about canceling it over the weekend, just wow. cancel our Netflix.
0: You know what one underreported story about Putin is, is his meeting with the Xi of China the other day. I mean, the, the two of them joining forces? That's eh, not a good thing. No, it's hard to imagine how that would, that would be good. Keep mm-hmm. your eye on him.
2: Mm.
1: Marshall's News and that touching song on the way.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
1: I love this D Day stuff. I've been taking it in my whole life. There's a lot of guys are, guys are into World War II. But um, as I've pointed out many times throughout the show, I wish people would pay any attention to soldiers that die today. Right. We could could have a soldier killed in Afghanistan fighting for liberty around the world. That's why they're there, in theory. Um, Never mind, Marshall. Go ahead, sorry. They could die this week, and it might not even make the news. I might not even hear about it.
0: If your heart swells with patriotic pride and gratitude for the sacrifices of those uh, on the beaches of Normandy 75 years ago, how about you go to warriorfoundation.org and support today's troops, our wounded and their families, warriorfoundation.org. We have the link at armstrongandgetty.com. It's not that other organization with a similar name, Uh, warriorfoundation.org. Before we get to Marshall's really meaningless claptrap, here's the the headline we should be featuring, Marshall, and that is Jupiter is about to come so close to the Earth you can see its moons. You can touch it as it whizzes by. (laughs) You can (laughs) see its (laughs) moons with binoculars. Did you hear me? Mr. Wiseacre, <laughs> just with a simple pair of binocs, you can see the moons of Jupiter. Never mind Jupiter itself. Speaking of D-Day and tides and weather forecasts, it is my position that the forces of Jupiter, the Jupitarians, uh-huh. have been waiting for this. Uh-huh. <laughs> the
1: Jupitarians,
0: <laughs> as opposed to Martians. Now they're, yeah. Exactly. Now they're right. close enough to attack and it appears cl-
4: right to the naked eye. How close is Jupiter going to be coming? It's exactly. like 100 miles. <laughs> right up the
1: coast. Very,
0: very close, Mario. Oh, they're
1: invading. They started with Uranus, and then they worked <laughs> their way around.
0: Oh, boy. Always funny. Not always funny. Grow up. So, wh- which direction do I look to see? Because I would like to see up, Jupiter. You idiot. <laughs> 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 even with a small telescope, you'll be able to make out the planet's cloudy bands. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I've seen some cloudy bands in my day. Uh, the, 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 you might even see the its famous and shrinking, by the way, giant red spot with a good telescope. Sounds, Sounds awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I've got to, uh, let's see. I'll do a little more research, but it will be up in
4: the sky. Uh, News right now with Marshall Phillips. Uh, Shifting our gears back over to the D-Day commemorations today. Had hundreds of people packed into the seaside town of Normandy to applaud British troops and American troops who landed on nearby beaches 75 years ago. Yet a piper playing as veterans of the battle, some in wheelchairs, laid a wreath uh, for the fallen outside the town's D-Day museum. President Trump, during the ceremonies, honoring the
2: veterans. To more than 170 veterans of the Second World War who join us today, you are among the very greatest Americans who will ever live. You are the pride of our nation. You are the glory of our republic. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts.
0: Not to take away from um, the D-Day vets and the grandeur of that uh, ceremony and, and the importance of the day, but you know, I find myself thinking of the guys who fought in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of them, from uh, Sean's granddad and my father-in-law, and, uh, and and many, many others uh, of the similar importance. Um, you know, just I don't know. It's fine. I'm not again. I'm nothing uh, away from the D-Day celebrations, but there are a lot of fronts in that war, and there's a lot of heroism.
4: President Vladimir Putin was holding court today in Moscow, saying he has no intention to deploy Russian troops or set up military bases in Venezuela. He added that Russian experts have been in Venezuela to service Russian-made weapons bought by Caracas. Yeah, they're mechanics. They're just uh, helpers. We're just trying to be helpful. Yeah, Putin, who was meeting uh, with the head of the international news agencies, was responding to a question about a tweet by President Trump earlier this week that said Moscow had informed Washington it had pulled out its personnel from Venezuela. Putin saying, no, we're not creating any bases or sending troops there, but we will be keeping our obligations in the sphere of military and technical cooperation. Meanwhile, you've got Oakland, California, now the second U.S. city to decriminalize magic mushrooms. After Denver did it last month, the Oakland City Council voted unanimously to go ahead and decriminalize adult use and possession of magic mushrooms and other psychoactive plants, such as peyote. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) So now, little by little, they're starting to decriminalize these uh, around the country. Now, on an entirely different note, my friends. (laughs) Nickelodeon is partnering with... This is what the soldiers fought for 75 years
1: ago, so we could have stuff like this. Oh boy, Baby Shark.
4: Nickelodeon is partnered with the team behind the YouTube viral hit Baby Shark. They're going to be producing an original preschool animated series based on Baby Shark. Okay. okay, might so, be good. Yeah. yeah, could be. It's all Ideas on the right. Ideas
3: are a dime a dozen. Execution is everything.
4: Exactly. Could be a,
3: a Blue's Clues sort of giant hit. You never know. Yeah. Net- Netflix is making considerable investments into their children's programming as they've lost the contract with a lot of their oh. Disney content. And, and a lot it's of the just other...
1: crap. It's yeah. beyond crap. It's stuff that's bad for kids that they now have on there. That's what bothers me.
0: Wow.
3: Yeah, they're, they're in this weird gray area of the stuff they had is now gone. The stuff they're investing in is not yet ready, so they have... Essentially, what Jack said is
0: crap. I got a great idea for a kid's show about a depressive kid with his beagle. And his his various friends and his sister, who may or may not be a psychoanalyst. I call it cashews.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Legumes.
0: Except for All Hail King Julian, by the way, on Netflix, which is one of my favorite
1: things that's ever been on television. Who does the the voice of Julian?
3: Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah,
0: that's some funny, funny voice acting there.
1: And Mort is uh, Conan's sidekick. Mort that's really into Julian's feet for some reason? Andy Richter. (laughs) Andy Richter, Richter. yes.
2: (laughs) So so That's odd. it's yeah. a funny funny <laughs> what, show. What's man. the name of it
1: again? All hail King Julian. You could enjoy it as an adult easily. Right. Get a little hammered and watch that sometimes.
4: <laughs> it's hilarious. Why wow. wow. kind of show? There's some good advice. The Toronto Raptors down the Golden State Warriors, 123-109 last night in Oakland. They now have a two games to one lead the NBA Finals. And I think I heard somewhere on a sports uh, talk program that 82 percent of the time. The team that wins the third game goes on to win the series. Mm-hmm. Could be. 82% of the time.
1: But uh, you don't usually have injuries being such a factor yeah. as this, where you've got you know half the team, more really in terms of the importance, gone. That's right. just I don't remember that ever happening in any sport. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing.
0: It's a lot like a, a team getting their quarterback knocked out in the conference finals. And going to the Super Bowl with a scrub, that scrub wins the game. He becomes a legend. But
1: Golden State has had ten different lineups in the playoffs. Wow, I don't remember anything like that ever happening either. Yeah, that's amazing.
4: There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips the Armstrong. at Getty Show, the conscience of the nation.
1: Starting lineups. I mean, usually your NBA dynasties, you got the same, certainly three or four guys, if not the same right. five guys, year after year. <laughs> in some of these dynasties. And uh, they got 10 different starting lineups in one playoff series.
0: Right? That's amazing. Yeah I mean, even if you have a solid core of three guys who always start, those other two role players, I mean, even if there's like two choices each, that's not 10 different lineups. Yeah. That's uh, that's something. So we're going to play, uh,
1: we've never done this before, I don't think, played an entire song. Song's like almost four minutes long. It's the number one song on Amazon right now. This guy was 15 years old on D-Day, the youngest known D-Day veteran. Happens to be a good singer, too. And his song, The Shores of Normandy, is number one. And you're going to hear it coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Cool. Reading this New York Times article, a reporter uh, went over for the 75th anniversary of uh, the D Day landing in World War II said, Here too are the memories of chaos and error paratroopers landing in the wrong places, some landing craft hopelessly off course, heavily laden troops dumped into too deep water to drown. If you've seen the opening of Saving Private Ryan, you know what that's all about. Um,. And as we uh, were talking about earlier, that's as accurate as, uh, according to historians and people who were there, as anything you can come across as the opening of a Saving Private Ryan. And here's a guy that was there. His name is Jim Radford. He was only 15 when he served as a ship's galley boy on June 6, 1944, making him the youngest known D-Day veteran. Well, his song Shores of Normandy has been number one on Amazon singles chart for most of the week, beating Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber's newest hits. This is actually him, the World War II veteran in his 90s, singing the song now, and we're going to play the whole thing for you. The Songs of Normandy. The Shores of Normandy, I'm sorry. In the
2: cold, gray light of the 6th of June In the year of 44 The Empire Larch send out from Po to join with thousands more The largest fleet the world had seen we sailed in close array, and we set our course for Normandy at the dawning of the day there was not one man in all our crew but knew what lay in store, for we had waited for that day. Through five long years of war, we knew that many would not return, but all our hearts were true. For oh, we were bound for Normandy, where we had a job to do. Now, the Empire Larch was a deep sea tub with a crew of 33. And I was just the galley boy On my first trip to sea I little thought When I left home Of the dreadful sights I'd seen But I came to manhood On the day That I first saw Long At Aramash. Off the beach of gold, Neath the rocket's deadly glare. We towed our block ships into place, And we built a harbor there. Mid shot and shell, we built it well, As history does agree. While brave men died in the swirling tide, On the shores of Normandy. For every hero's name that's known A thousand died as well On stakes and wires their bodies fall Rocked in the ocean swell And many a mother went day For the sons they loved so well Men who cracked a joke and cads to smoke as they stormed the gates of hell As the years passed by I can still recall The men I saw that day Who died upon that blood-soaked sand Where now sweet children play And those of you who were on board, Who've lived in liberty Remember those who made it so on the shores of Normandy. Yeah, there's quick edit there. So uh
1: Jim Bradford <laughs> was there on the uh, Yes? Yes, Joe.
0: <laughs> Gotta teach you fellows how to fade things. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, he was fifteen on D Day like Bombed the Orchestra <laughs> in nineteen
1: forty four. He wrote this song in 1969, the 25th anniversary. Oh, wow. He had been back to France, but he'd never been back to uh, the beaches there, even though he was there on D-Day. And he was surprised, for some reason, to see children playing on the beach and overwhelmed at the contrast from the last time he was there. I'll bet. And had concern at that time that it was going to be forgotten what an amazing thing had happened and how many people had sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, it just... It wasn't that big a deal, and as I've talked about for the last couple of days, it's been growing. It's it's a much bigger deal now than it was ten years ago, and bigger deal ten years ago than it was twenty years before that. It's 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 much it's growing, with for you know for whatever reasons, right, right. Usually yeah. historical events go the other direction, but at that time he was worried it was going to be forgotten. It would seem right now that there's 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 no chance of that.
4: Yeah,
0: I would think not, although with all of the WW two vets gone by the time. You know, 75th anniversary, people like round numbers for some reason and or multiples of 25. Uh, It'll probably be the 100th anniversary before a big deal is made again, a really big deal, and they'll all be gone by then.
1: It's the number one song on Amazon. You can buy it. Uh, Profits from the song sales go to support the British Normandy Memorial, which he's very excited about getting built before they're all gone, as he said, because they're all dying on a daily basis. And I don't even know what that means to buy a song on Amazon, but anyway, that's where the money goes.
0: So uh, the Allied strategy, according to historian James Holland, he's a Brit, was the slogan was "steel, not flesh." They wanted to use their enormous global reach and resources, air power, the navy, um, to minimize the number of guys with rifles that would have to do what they were going to do, um, and. of the troops that were transported at D-Day and immediately afterward, 40% were uh, support services, service troops, uh, medical, food, logistics, transportation, mechanics, um, the rest of it. And that long supply trail was part of Ike's genius. It was one of the benchmarks of Allied strategy. Plus, at that point, the the, Luft, the Luftwaffe and the uh, that's the air force of the Nazis and their navy was pretty beat up, and they didn't have much air support at all. But that's uh, you know, I'm bad at logistics. I'm sure it would just boggle your mind to look at and keep in mind. This was all on paper. The plans for transporting and coordinating all of those resources at once. I can't even conceive of it. It's no, it's not
1: like you could text everybody. It's Time.
0: All right, and uh, have a Google document everybody, you know, uh, edits. It's amazing. Also
1: a World War II veteran right there. Here's your host, Joe Getty. <laughs> Is he? Somebody, oh, uh, that's nice. it's
4: a little too early for that. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad. It's Marshall Phillips. Marshall, final thought. All the talk about D-Day and World War II, making me think a lot about my dad, Major Ed Phillips. He served. He was uh, in uh, Cairo, Egypt uh, during uh, World War II. Helped put they together. started with Rommel, maybe. They put together, helped put together the Cairo Conference, which was a pretty big deal. Google it. Mm. Talk to you. Positive Sean. Final thought. Yeah, just connecting more
3: dots of uh, people on the show to World War II. My grandfather served in World War II, was on a ship in the Pacific that went down while uh, fighting the Japanese. Ship of Ghosts is a wonderful book. Uh, My grandfather's one of the men on the cover on it. Uh, Great read if you're looking for that sort of thing. The War in the Pacific,
4: indeed. Michelangelo, final thought. Oh, yeah. Thank you to all our military men and women who are currently protecting us and all of them that did protect us. Very grateful to all of you. Jack, do you have a final thought?
1: Yeah, and uh, say it for the umpteenth time today, let's, let's care as much about the 19-year-old risking his life today as the 19-year-old that risked their life 75 years ago. They're doing the same thing.
0: My final thought is we have a tendency to deify our heroes, whether it's George Washington or the guys who fought at Normandy or whatever, and, and to start thinking that they were superhuman or, or gods. They weren't. They were exactly like you and exactly like me. Now, maybe fate uh, doesn't have in store for you to be a hero, but be strong. Um, you can do great things. Believe in yourself, and don't buy the modern line that you're just dependent on, you know, the breezes that blow these days. Dare.
1: A lot of textures. Very happy we played that song. Happy to do it. I was glad to hear it. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another gro- grueling four-hour workday.
0: So many people to thank go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a link to the song, the videos, all sorts of stuff we talked about today. You can email us, mailbag at com. See you tomorrow. God bless America.
3: This is... a. Uh
4: And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done.
0: Thank you, and good night.
2: (laughs) And the show's over. (coughs) What? Bye-bye. Yeah, I I love um, (laughs) Armstrong and (laughs) Getty. It's kind of my
0: thing. Armstrong and Getty.